When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. I'm still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. You, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Hey guys, if you're looking for a quality bow dealership near Newcastle, Pennsylvania, look no farther than Williams Archery down in Edinburgh, PA, just minutes west of the city. They offer Hoyt, PSE, Elite, Bear, and many more brands. Go check out their bow fishing equipment or stop in for hands-on shooting lessons. Give Ron and Linda a call at 724-667-9660. We're also very excited to announce our new sponsor, Allen and Friends Custom Calls. With turkey season on everyone's mind, now is the time to order your custom-made calls from ANF. They offer V-cuts, combo cuts, and batwing cuts for all of your turkey calling needs. The best part? If you order today with our code WDP, you will pay $5 per call and receive free shipping. Order today on Instagram at ANF underscore custom calls or by email at ANFCustomCalls at gmail.com. Welcome to episode 29 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and joining me in my basement until the construction of the Rack Shack is done, Charles Headland. How you doing tonight, buddy? I like that a lot more. I'm doing well, man. What's going on? <laughs> How you know, man? I was out in the Rack Shack this weekend. It is under construction. It Official. is going to be up and coming. <laughs> it's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot nicer. It's going to be a lot more comfortable. There's going to be more racks in the rack shack. Nice, nice. You're saying ground has broke. It has broke. That is awesome. That's good news. Weather finally broke. Weather finally broke. It's a little bit warmer outside. It's not perfect yet. Right. We'll be out there soon, but it's it's getting a lot better. I can live with this. I can live with this. This is way better than negatives. This is better than below freezing. Oh, man. I mean, I'm like (laughs) jumping with joy over it right now. Yeah, I'm tired of being cooped up inside. I'm sure you're tired of the editing process that comes with all the noises from a house. 
So every time my furnace kicks on, I want to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Let me put it that way. (laughs) There's the furnace. There's Murphy. There's people upstairs. I mean, there's everything, but that's, Hey, you got to make sacrifices. Okay. We're, we're here. We're determined to put a podcast out every week to the best of our ability. This is what we had to do. It's what we got to do. And I'm not mad about it. I'm not either. I'm having fun either way. I can, I care less whether there's background noise and stuff. I gotta, I gotta fix, but you know. Yeah, well, I'm excited to get back outside, but I'm also excited for this episode. What a transition. My man, yeah. look at you. <laughs> oh, going into the Segway game. I am, because we have on the podcast today Walter Lee from the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. So this is one podcast that I don't... You know where I found them out? He did an episode with the working class bow hunter. That's where I found him out. And I said, I really like this guy. And he mentioned that he had a podcast. So I went to his podcast, started listening, and fell in love. At first, I was a little put off because I'd like to go all the way back to the very, very beginning. At the very, very beginning of his episodes, he talked a lot about different things like duck hunting or fishing or, you know, just different varieties of stories besides deer hunting. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this, but you start listening. Yep. The stories are incredible. The guests he have on, he has on are incredible. And I really, really fell in love with his podcast. And I'm glad that I just one day said, forget it. I'm reaching out. I messaged him over Instagram, said, Hey man, come on the podcast with a fellow accountant and fellow deer, uh, you know, deer enthusiast. Enthusiast. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember how I worded it, but yeah. I was like, you know, and, and come talk some whitetail hunting with us. Cause we want to see what it's like down in Florida. Compared to PA. And I'll tell you what, right off the bat, I knew it was going to be a good episode because when you were (laughs) messaging him, I saw it pop up on my phone and I creeped on it and you two were kind of conspiring. You were going to like, dude, I I blew it. You guys were going to mess with me a little bit and I was really excited about that and I knew he was just going to be a super cool dude. And Yeah, I blew it. The opportunity was there and I got busy at work, so I didn't get to answer his message fast enough and you saw the notification he, when I gave him your number to call in for the podcast, he's like, does Austin know I have his number? Can I mess with him? I should message him that, what did he say? He said, I'm going to message him and say I'm your number one fan. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and before I got his message, I got your message. Yep. It said, if he says that I'm his number one fan. I'm going to frame it and put it on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's he talking about? And then I went, oh, damn it. I blew an opportunity. Yeah. So I had to let him know that we uh, we couldn't get that. It's all good. It's man, all we good. clicked right off the bat. We did. On Instagram to the episode. Yeah, man. There was just so much to talk about in such a short period of time that I wish podcasts were three, four hours long. Absolutely. And you know what? With that, let's get right into it. Let's bring him on the line. Yep. All right, today on the podcast, we have Walter Lee of Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. How you doing today, buddy? Man, any better, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, nice. <laughs> How's the weather down in Florida, man? Freaking hot as all get out, dude. I'm over really? this. Um, I, it, we've got two seasons here. We've got summertime and cool fronts, and that's just about all we've got down here. So yeah, high of 82 today. Oh, wow. nice. Yeah, I was like jumping for joy. It was 55 out today. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing shorts, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I'd, I'd I'd gladly swap with you. Matter of fact, uh, anytime you want to send some of that cold weather down here in February, March, 
I'd gladly send you that 82 degrees, dude. I'm not built for it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you can have all you want of those uh, negative days, man. They get they get old after about five, six in a row. <laughs> yeah. it, it wears on your body, man. It, it aches your bones. Well, you know, the thing is, my philosophy is this. I can put on enough clothes to stay warm in cold weather. Eventually, I get arrested for taking clothes off trying to stay stay cool. So <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting up in the tree like Sam Yuba with boots and a hat on. <laughs> I, I I'll be honest with you. I've hunted in uh, in, in Crocs and a, in a pair of swim trunks before from Greece. <laughs> oh man, were they camo uh, swim trunks? <laughs> no, man, they weren't. They were bright green, man. That, <laughs> <laughs> but everything down here is bright green, so it, ain't, it isn't a problem, you know? Oh, man. So I have a confession. I actually bought my first pair of Crocs, and uh, I'm ashamed of it because I've been talking a lot of shit on Crocs. Uh, <laughs> mostly just because of their price point, but uh, I saw a post on Instagram the other day from the Lindsay Way that they were on sale at Bass Pro Shop for like 24 bucks free shipping, and I went, you know what? I got to do it eventually. You know, I used to talk shit on the iPhone before I got one. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm wearing them now. It's the first time, and I, I'm, I'm a little impressed. I'm not going to lie, but I'm, Dude, I'm ashamed to say it. People hate on Crocs, man. You watch this, the boys from uh, Land of the Free when they do those Western tours. Yeah. Everywhere they go, they've got Crocs strapped to their, their backpack. There's a reason. Oh, man, I'm telling you. I've been wearing them for a while, and. I preach about the Crocs and socks. I wear them all the time. He always <laughs> makes fun of me here on the podcast. Oh, hold on, about, no, I'm not. I'm not. Just so see? the listeners are clear, I am not advocating for Crocs and socks. Thank you. <laughs> you. Wear the Crocs just like they are. I don't know if you wear flip flops and, and and socks at the same time. But that's a not, negative. No. <laughs> Thank you, Walter. And that's one of the biggest pet peeves of mine was the Crocs and socks, man. I was like, no, no, turn me away. I can't do it. <laughs> When, in the in, in, when I grew up in Southeast Georgia, we had a couple. I grew up where they called it the Golden Isles, and it was uh, in the in the winter time. All the the Spartina marsh grass turns golden, and that's why they're called Golden Isles. Mm, but okay. uh, the a bunch of Ohio folk and uh, Pennsylvania would come down. You could always tell it was them because the legs would be dang near transparent, <laughs> and oh, yeah. they'd always be wearing Jesus slippers and, and, and like, ankle-high white high socks. White socks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Would you call them Jesus slippers? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's probably not PC. I probably shouldn't have said that, but oh well. Dude, I now, call them but... Jerusalem cruisers. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm gonna steal that, dude. Yeah, man, go Absolutely. for it. <laughs> I have the best image in my mind right now because I've seen like a dozen people just like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you'd always know it. I'd be out there fishing on the pier, and we'd be catching stuff, and uh, here they'd come looking at you, and 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 it's funny because they're looking at you like, okay, well he's not wearing socks and, and Jesus slippers, so he can give me directions. So they yeah. walk up and be like, oh hi, yeah. Can you can you tell me where we what? I'm like, yep, come on. Let's, let's, let's go. You, know, you see that big oak tree down yonder? Okay, you're gonna make a right right there. You know. Like, you know. I like we'll that Yankee accent. Experience yeah, I liked your uh, Yankee accent you you did there. I, I don't. I tried. I think it turned out a little more Canadian than it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! So you grew up in Southeast Georgia, then, huh? Um, yeah, I, I had a pretty cool childhood, man. I yeah. I spent my my childhood days in New Orleans, and uh, about the time I was twelve, we moved to the Golden Isles, of Southeast Georgia, 
And um, I, I was fortunate enough to be homeschooled on about a 1,300-acre island in the marsh. Sweet. Uh, wow. Yeah, so I, I'd hunt fish morning and evening and do schoolwork uh, in the in the you know at night or midday. And I had just a jam up time, dude. That was just a once in a lifetime kind of childhood. It was it's a good time. Yeah, that sounds awesome, man. I'm pretty jealous, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my wife, I tell the stories to her all the time. She's not a big outdoorsman at all, and she keeps telling me. I, I every once in a while, I'll write down like a little a little story and send it to her. And she's like, you really need to put these into a book because it was, it was so, uh, backwards and how it was. And I don't mean that in like a, like a redneck, you know, how the South's always called backwards, you know, you mm-hmm. married your sister if you're in Alabama, <laughs> but it was more of like, uh, it was old school, dude. It was real old school. You didn't have cell service down there. You know, the houses were built in the fifties, but they were, they were built for hunting and fishing. It was a hunting and fishing camp. And I grew up with like a BB gun in my hand, shooting rabbits and squirrels in other people's front yards. And, uh, <laughs> no one cared. You just, it was like, it was like straight out of Ernest Hemingway's books or Robert Rourke's books. And yeah. it was just so, so cool, man. I was, you know, looking back now, I see just how good I had it. But at the time, it was just normal to me, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's, oh, man. Yeah. I wish I had, <laughs> I had about an acre of timber and goldenrod field behind my house that we built tree cabins in. And we, we had BB guns all my life, but we were shooting robins and yeah. <laughs> blue jays. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a, all, that's, all, the, all the damn birds you weren't supposed to be shooting. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it it funny, man. But growing up there, I, uh, I always wanted to be somewhere else, and I, I'm kind of sad by that because, I, like I said, looking back, I, I didn't realize how good I had it, but I always wanted to be up in Pennsylvania or Ohio or Michigan or Wisconsin because all the all the reading materials that you had, you know, back then the internet. I'm not that old, but you mm-hmm. know, the internet wasn't wasn't a thing like it is today. You didn't just, you know, I wonder how to change my brakes and Google it. Yeah, you know, Google wasn't even a thing. So you had like, you know, the field and stream would come to your house, the outdoor life would come to your house, and and you'd sit there and think to yourself, God, you know, they just got it so good in Pennsylvania. They got a rut. <laughs> they've, they've got trout and fields. Man, I've never even seen a, a, a plowed field before because in southeast Georgia, you just don't have that. You got rows of pine trees, you know. So yeah. hmm, uh, I grew up wishing I was where you guys are now. And looking back, I wish I could go back and tell my 12-year-old self that uh, yeah, you weren't what I had anything. there was truly unique, you know. Yep, yep. yep. Enjoy it while you have it. Yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah, man, uh, that's wild. Yes, yeah, it was cool. But now you're in Florida, huh? I am. I yeah. am. I, funny enough, um, I grew up despising the state, and yeah. I'm born here. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> my uncles have always teased me, like, "Oh, you finally went back to the, the back to your native land, you little cracker." You know. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know this, but but Florida Florida rednecks are called Florida crackers. So it's a special breed of of uh, resilience down over here. So uh I did okay. not know no. that. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we use that yeah, term yeah. a little differently up here. <laughs> yeah, I know how you use it. Yeah. Everybody else uses it. I got you. Like any old white boy's a cracker. That's but, right. Uh, no, down here the Florida cracker dude, it's a it's a hmm. way of life. It's a it's a really weird balance between some kind of homesteading and just a an utter blue collar resilience to to thrive and find a way to make everything happen down here and just live off the land. It's a uh, it's cool, man. And I'll tell you something. Anywhere where you live off the land and it's 90-something degrees for three quarters of the year, I, I tip my hat to you because that's a lot of sweat, man. That's oh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a couple guys I met. I was hunting some national forests, and these, these jokers, they uh, 
man, I'm taking the podcast in the direction maybe you didn't want to take it. But <laughs> go for it, man. <laughs> I'm cool with it. <laughs> we I, I met Steve and Jim, you know, two generic names, and these guys were the epitome of Florida Cracker. They quit their job every year in August and they go out in the national forest and they basically set up a, a homestead out there. They got their, their, their F-250s circled up like a thing of wagons and they've got a camp in the middle of it. I, I shit you not. This, the honest to God truth. And they sit there the entire bow season and hunt the entire bow season for whitetail. Now, I don't know what the weather's like in October there, but it's 90 something degrees here at the wow. high in October. So those jokers are out there in tents with no AC. They got a, they got a river running by, but it ain't any kind of cold water. Mm-hmm. And uh, those jokers live out there off of whatever it is they can shoot from small game to hog to whitetail for an entire month out of every year. And they and then they do it again in the middle of the summer for hog. It's crazy. That's wild, man. I bet they yeah. smell real good. <laughs> yeah. Just like jumping that like river. A brand new nickel. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> it's copper penny, man. They that's but they just they love it, man. They geek out on it and that's what they do in July and August. Or July and May, May and July for the entire month. They, they, they don't quit their job. They just quit working. You know, oh, yeah, they yeah, yeah. like to leave the batson. And, uh, the employers, a lot of your, a lot of your, you know, work and labor around here, your blue collar type jobs. I mean, it's just expected, you know, like, oh, Steve, he's going to be gone in June. Yeah. Don't ask him for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. There's got to be something to say for that, though. I mean, that's really Commitment. just going out and living <laughs> out there and just having fun and doing what you want to do. There's, there's, that, that's awesome. Honestly. I mean, I'd love to do something like that. I don't know. You say that, man. I think after about three days in this heat, no yeah. shower and whatnot, I think you might be changing your tune oh, real quick. But yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but see, you got to do it like I did it. I, I lose my job right about a month before hunting season comes around. I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm looking. And then, you know, you just collect a little bit of unemployment. You hunt for the entire hunting season. You get out there every day. And then yeah. after hunting season's over, you go back to work. You know, it works out great. <laughs> I mean, what? Uh, whenever your job comes available, I'm gonna be keep I'm gonna keep my eye on the classifieds up there, and uh, <laughs> I might be moving because I need that lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was actually really awesome. I mean, that was probably the first year ever that I got to hunt almost every single day, and it was like, man, I can't wait to retire because yeah. this is this is what it's that's what it's about right here, <laughs> just chasing whitetails. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, he got laid off this year. Right mm-hmm. before the season, and I know I'd just be sitting at work, and he'd be like, "Hey, look where I'm at!" <laughs> like, Come on, man! <laughs> oh man, he was living That's... through me a little bit, you know. I had to, I had to bring him in with me and be like, "Hey, man, look, you know, this is what you're missing, but you know, hey, you're with me, you know. Here's some pictures. You're you're in the stand yeah. with me." <laughs> Yeah. By the way, can I have some money for dinner tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, uh, what are you guys having for t- tonight? Uh, I'll be over. I'll be over. <laughs> no, actually, it works out good because my parents live right next door to me. So this is not my problem, oh. not my choice. However, it works out great because anytime you, you, you know, what do you want for dinner tonight? The wife asks and I'm like, well, let me just ask my parents what they're cooking. <laughs> my, so regular old everybody loves Raymond up there. That, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's, it, it couldn't be better. I just go over anytime I want and, and bump in and be like, Hey, you guys got any food? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it works out great. Oh, man. Oh, let, me, man. let me go back to something real quick, though. You were talking about Florida and Georgia. I think that's just like a natural rivalry there. But uh, I believe you're a Bulldog fan, aren't you? Oh, through and through. That's brother. what I thought. Through and through, man. There's, so now you're no... living in the enemy. You're behind enemy lines. 
Kind of. I mean, the panhandle doesn't belong to, to UF. It belongs to FSU. Yeah. So yeah. there's really, there's no blood between, there's no bad blood right. between FSU and, and, and UGA. The last time they played, we whooped them pretty good. And yeah. I think that, you know, silenced things for a little while. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a diehard dog, dude. I've, I've got a countdown clock here. I think it's 300 and, or 242 days until kickoff. So <laughs> nice. Wow. You are yeah. pretty diehard. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only thing, I, the only thing that keeps me out the woods every once in a while is if there's a, a big game, you know, the UGA, uh, UF, Georgia, Georgia, Florida game or something mm-hmm. like that. I'll, that'll keep me out the woods. But by and large, I mean, there's not much else that keeps me on my Saturdays from being out there chasing whitetails or ducks or something. So that a boy. That's yeah. what I like to yeah, hear. Man. Yeah. We're lucky because yeah. uh, Pitt hasn't really been competitive in the last 10 <laughs> years. So <laughs> we ain't got to worry about it too much. The Pitt Penn state rivalry games were pretty good, but uh, even that Old James anymore. Franklin. Yep. Yep. So well, it is yeah. what it is, but uh, I can't stand that joker. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big Penn State fan He was a Vanderbilt coach all. before that, and he was one dirty daggum coach, man. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, anyways. This, this, this ain't a cause so, football. No. Kid, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to turn into one real quick if we don't change it. That's right. So let's go back into it because we, we kind of skipped a little bit of we know where you're from, but we never touched uh, what you're doing right now for a living. So if you want to get into that a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm a, uh, I am an accountant for, for, uh, Florida State University right now. Um, I am currently pursuing my dream of becoming a full-time podcaster like you two. That's right. And that'd be uh, awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, really, I, I live a pretty basic life. I'm an accountant for FSU. I, I podcast, uh, periodically and drop out, uh, some, some content there. And, you know, my, my ultimate goal is to, you know, get my CPA and, um, you know, be self-employed so I can podcast more, uh, more regularly because mm-hmm. there's nothing better to me than talking to other people about the outdoors. Yep. Yep. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. more. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially coming from a fellow accountant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You sent me that message. Yeah, I was, I was actually knee deep in a, in a, uh, financial report. And I saw that accountant come through. I was like, you know what? I'm going to take an extra minute to talk to this guy. Cause yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like, it seems like there's a trend with accountants being podcasters. Uh, Brian Call from Gritty Bowman, or formerly Gritty Bowman, he was a yeah. accountant. You got Randy Newberg, he's an accountant. Us too. Yeah, or something to that. There must be. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> <laughs> accountants love deer hunting and that's, everything else. Maybe that's I it. So, you yeah. know, I get sick of the the stereotypes for accountants either. You know, it's, it's just messed up. Like they don't know who we are. <laughs> and I heard you you said it best the other day about uh, when someone asked you if you could count. You're an accountant and you can't count. Like man, yeah. I got a calculator and adding machine on my desk. I don't count anything. <laughs> and like you said, yeah. you got Excel, man. That does it for you. <laughs> Come right, and any better than I could with that ten digit, man. That's not. Uh, yeah. No, I got. I got asked in an interview one time, "How good did you are you at math?" And I said, "I don't know. How good is Excel?" <laughs> and they they didn't find it near as humorous as I did. I don't, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, that's their fault, not mine. Oh, man. Oh, all I can think of right now, I'm not an accountant, but, you know, (laughs) all I can think of right now is, like, Parks and Recs. You got the one dude on there, he's just always making accounting jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, we get ripped more than any profession probably out there. Oh, yeah. It's insane. (laughs) Well, here's, you know, there's there's only one profession that gets ripped more than us, and that's uh, actuaries. And there's a there's a joke my my accounting professor told me. He said, you know what the difference is between an accountant and an actuary? 
And I, I looked at him and I said, no. And he goes, well, they kind of look you in the eye. That the actuary looks at your feet when he talks to you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so, it's so stupid, but it's true. If you ever meet an actuary, yeah. jokers do not make eye contact. They, they, <laughs> they don't do social settings. So. Yeah, just non-social. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So how did you get into podcasting then as an accountant? You know, Well, you know, um, I'd like to think it's some grand story. Uh, but it, it really boils down to, uh, I was a newlywed at the time and, and my wife was getting tired of hearing me talk stories and I could see it, you know, so I was invited to be on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast to talk about uh, a pretty good buck that I shot here in Florida. Good old Dan and Johnson. Mm-hmm. Dan Johnson. Yep. Yeah, man. He was the, he was the second podcast, hunting podcast I ever listened to. I was stuck at work and music wasn't doing it for me. I needed some social interactions because as I said before, Accountants generally don't like to talk to you. Yeah, I can <laughs> and, I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm sitting there and I, I do that podcast with him, and I walked inside and said, "Man, this podcasting thing is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. You get to talk to people and hear their stories. And man, we all we all remember. If you're at least my age, you remember you meet somebody new, you find out they're a hunter, you you go to the center console of your truck, you pull out this big old album you used to have, right? Mm-hmm. Little three by five cards, and there'll be a photo of you and you. Your your non sicka shirt and you know <laughs> you you know it was just this camaraderie around that photo. You'd scribble little notes on the back like you know weighed ninety five pounds, you know shot with granddaddy on the farm or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 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 it seemed to me like podcasting could become that again. It could create a community where people sit there around the campfire and have a conversation, and share their stories. And you know I I bought a cheap USB mic and and uh, subscribed to Podbean and said you know. Maybe somebody will find my my stories interesting, and if they do, then fine. And if they don't, well, I'll talk here into this mic and have a good time either which way. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I I really like your your format of your podcast because it is a lot of stories and a lot of good stories. And yep. Thank well, you, man. Yeah, I love it. I I got hooked up on it. Austin got me into listening to podcasts, and there is there may be no better job than an accountant to listen to podcasts. I mean. Right. I, I listened probably 10, 10, 12 hours a day during tax season. I was just at my desk on my ride to and from work literally all day long. I was, I was caught up with a bug like it was turkey season or, or middle of the rut. You know, I was just all in on them. (laughs) And I I go back to every podcast and I listen from the first episode all the way through and get caught up. And I can proudly say today that I am caught up on all my podcasts that I listen to. Oh man. But there's yeah. more out there that I definitely need to get into. But, uh, and it was kind of the same story for us. You know, we, we just both looked at each other one day and I think I was thinking it and he said it. He's like, you want to start a podcast? And I said, man, I was actually going to ask you the same thing because it just seems like they're having so much fun. And <laughs> it is. It's a blast. Yeah. Man, I, love I like it. telling stories. I like listening to stories. I like meeting new people. I just mm-hmm. like deer hunting in general. So, I mean, what's a better fit than talking to good deer hunters? Yeah, right. no, absolutely. And, you know, I'm kind of more of a generalist. I've got my own individual passions that I invest myself in. You know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a diehard whitetail hunter, but, uh, you know, if I see a good, a good cold front coming through, I'm not a, I'm not above sliding a kayak in a, in a lake and, you know, going after some blue wing teal or some ringnecks, you know, mm-hmm. so for me, it was one of those things where, you know, I'm spending a lot of time getting, <clears throat> when I started it, getting my masters or studying for my CPA. So I couldn't get out there very often. And, uh, podcasting kind of became a conduit for me to keep a uh, feel like I had maybe keep a pulse on the outdoors and feel, you know feel like I was still part of it even though I only had you know an hour or two in the evening to talk to somebody about it and man there's some there's some really fine people across this country that have got some awesome unique stories and 
the more I got into it, the more I realized that, man, those stories need to, to be heard and, and there's characters that people need to hear and learn from. And I'm just glad to be a part of the outdoor podcast. And man, y'all do a great job too. I, once you reached out, man, I went through it. I got to say that intro that y'all got, I thought, I thought something funky had happened to my earbuds. Right? <laughs> I'm sitting there like, what's going on? And I heard, I heard like the, that fade when it goes into the to you the woods are taken over from the conversation. I was like, oh man, that's relatable. I yep. have been there more often than I'd like to admit. <laughs> yeah, man, seriously, I appreciate that, man. We worked really hard on that, and that was oh, yeah. uh, that was kind of like the start of our podcast. We sat down one night and we were just kind of BSing. It was right after we talked about it, and we were like, let's just you know, you're getting chewed out at work. You just you yeah. just thinking of the outdoors, and that's kind of yeah. like. It goes in like with our name, like the white tail distraction. Like we're distracted at work all the time, yeah. thinking about hunting and everything mm-hmm. else, and it just kind of played into it. But we can't really take credit though. There was a lot of bush lights being drank that night, mm-hmm. so I think bush light is to thank for <laughs> that intro. <laughs> Hashtag not a sponsor. <laughs> Do y'all listen to uh, Kafaru Cast? Kafaru Cast. I've listened to it a few times. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, my favorite part is when every once in a while they'll they'll poke fun at the industry. At their own expense and, and whatever they're going to talk about that day, if it's arrows or hunt or something, it's like this podcast brought to you by Eastern Archery and they just go down this list and, and it's all these <laughs> conflicting people and you just know it's not true. Yeah. But it's just hysterical, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Oh man, that's a beautiful thing though. It, it's yeah. nice yeah. to, nice to be like light and airy and have fun. Like if mm-hmm. I wasn't having fun doing this, I wouldn't be doing it at all. Heck no. No, uh-uh. no. I've got too much else going on. Now. Oh, yeah, man. And it's just it's fun meeting guys like you. I mean, I've noticed reaching out to people and asking them to come on the podcast, even if it's just Joe Smo, nobody killed a big deer. We want to hear a story or reaching out to somebody like John, John Eberhardt, Eberhardt, somebody mm-hmm. that's actually in an industry like a legend. And everybody's just so friendly. It just it blows my mind sometimes how willing people are to share and just really tell their stories and open up. And I think it's just an amazing thing. Yeah, if asking permission to hunt on someone's land was easy as getting someone on a podcast, I'd have a lot of land to hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Like you just mentioned the word podcast and like, podcast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm down for that. That sounds like a good time. (laughs) Well, and and if you get good, if you get connected with good people, I think you sent me a message that said that your favorite episode was one of those ones. I think it was Taylor Chamberlain. I think I responded and said, you know, if I had a dollar for every laugh of my own, my own laughter that I had to edit out of that so that it wasn't just utterly disrupted, I could be a full-time podcaster myself. And that's <laughs> that's the whole point of this, right? I yep. mean, it's, it's laughing. It's have a good time. Maybe you learn something. Maybe you're just entertained. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be serious all the time. Dude, I just have to, like, cut you off right there. When I listened, I listened to that podcast with Charles. We were driving <laughs> back from the Great American Outdoor Show, and he put that on. I have to thank you for the new six pack I have because my <laughs> abs were killing me after I was listening to that. I th- I was crying, my cheeks hurt, my abs hurt, everything. I was dying. That that is maybe, and I said it, and I mean it. That's probably my favorite all time episode on any podcast ever. I put that on. I was the only one that had heard it at the time, and I was like, "Wait, you guys haven't heard the story?" And I'm like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ruin it. Let's put it on Taylor Chamberlain." Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, you have to hear it. And if anybody is listening to this <laughs> and you God. haven't heard it, you got to go find it. It's the best that. episode by far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I listen to that one every once in a while. Whenever I'm having like a really hard day and I'm thinking, God, you know, at least I didn't have as bad a day as Taylor did that day. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. His wife hosing him off out of his big adult diaper. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, I was hoarse. After that podcast, I, I had to go in there and like drink something to soothe my throat. I was laughing so daggone hard, man. I just I never expected it to go. He he sent me a message. I said, you know, I want to hear about your worst, you know, heads up. I'm going to ask you about your worst saddle hunt story. And he goes, do you really want the worst one or do you want me to give you a PC one? I was like, oh, there's music to my ears. So I'm not going to ruin it for everybody, but I never anticipated getting into that. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to record with him at the, the Saddle Palooza. And uh, unfortunately, I had something come up and I couldn't make it. He decided to have a kid, so... Uh, <laughs> he decided uh, to have a kid. <laughs> what a selfish man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dang. I mean, you know, depriving everybody of another funny story. But uh, yeah. he, I, and Andrew, Andrew are going to get together, and we're going to saddle hunt. And I'm sure once y'all listen to that podcast, you'll know that whatever comes of that next episode is just going to be uh, gut-busting. Oh, the, the guy, just he just oozes hysteria. Yeah. He's just... He's incredible. Oh, man. After I heard that, I actually went on and I subscribed to his channel on YouTube. <laughs> and he is just a funny guy, man. It, it, it's really amazing. Is. Yeah. Yeah. People tell me, like, I really enjoyed that podcast. And I tell them, look, I had nothing to do with that podcast being good. That podcast was the Taylor Chamberlain show, man. That's <laughs> I just was lucky enough to reach out to that joker and have him come on the podcast. Yeah. Well, awesome. I mean, but at the same time, you kind of asked the right question to get it out of him. So, I, I yeah, well, you know. So you got to take you go. a little credit. For yeah, it. I'll give credit where credit's due, and yep. it's due. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate right. it, guys. No, 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 absolutely. But let's get into hunting a little bit. So, how was your 2018 season, man? It yeah. was horrible. Oh no! It was. It was also probably my best year to date. It's. Ah, oh man! So in the in in the the Gulf of Mexico, we have these things called hurricanes. And uh, <laughs> what's that? And I, <laughs> yeah thanks for throwing all the rain up here after you guys get hit with hey, a hurricane man, okay look, we paid our due i've got a video coming out that's going to land on our youtube channel and we go down to to hunt and camp and the destruction the utter destruction is unfathomable it looks like in some of these places man it looks like a third world country it's just oh, it's man. unbelievable there's still people without power without homes down there and it's a terrible thing but here, here comes October. My season kicks off at the tail end of October and Hurricane Michael comes up and the eye of the storm passed 25 miles west of our house. Mm-hmm. And in case, uh, anyone who's listening, you know, thinks, okay, well, you get a bunch of them. That can't be that bad. Uh, this thing was one mile per hour away from being a category five hurricane. It was the, the second most powerful core on a hurricane since Hurricane Katrina. Now the difference yeah. is Hurricane Katrina was a larger storm and it actually dissipated as it made landfall. Mm-hmm. Uh, this storm actually maintained being a hurricane all the way over North Georgia. Yep. Oh, um, man. Yeah, that was yeah, some brutal, was, nasty stuff, man. It was really bad, man. It was really, really bad. There were 485 light poles on my my section of the how of the of the highway coming to my house wow. that were snapped off at the base. I don't mean snapped off halfway. They were picked up, drugged through the through, through the woods, and just and just dumped. You couldn't even see the power line. I've never seen anything Jeez. like it in my life. So. Uh, 2018 prior to that i had put an entire summer's worth into studying i mean i had found gear beds i had just really owned the wmas in this area and i had really felt like i had stacked the odds in my favor and here comes this hurricane that displaces me for 13 days i was 13 days without power we had to evacuate to north georgia and when we came back i had to live in the house off a generator a fan and the refrigerator for about seven more days so all your hard mass is gone all your and, and by that i don't mean just the the acorns on the trees and, and, and the white oaks and whatnot. I'm talking the trees are gone. Yeah. Um, 
nothing looked like what it looked like a week before. And on top of that, the damage was so, so swift and total that FWC, Florida Wildlife Commission, they shut down all the WMAs except for one. So for the first entire month of the season, I've got a 1,300-acre WMA shared with everybody else in the region who wants to still deer hunt with hmm. no hard mass. The roads are tore up, and you, don't, you can't recognize the woods. It was, it was the hardest year. I've, I did not see my first deer during daylight shooting hours until December 8th. Wow. It was unreal. Wow. It was unreal. Dude, I wouldn't um, even know where to start, honestly. If that came through up here, I wouldn't even know where to start. That well, is- <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where at first I was so giddy. I was just over the moon just to be hunting after after 13 days, you know, being displaced to, to kind of right. try and resume life as normal. You know, I was also starting with a saddle, so I had all this, you know, anticipation, the new bow, new saddle, all this stuff, and uh, so I was just happy to get out there, but man, reality set in real quick. And about November, it was starting to get really, uh, really discouraging. And it was starting to realize that maybe, maybe my opportunities would be limited. So for the first time since I was 16, I volunteered to put the bow down. I've been bow only since I was about 16 with little to no exception. And I sighted in the muzzleloader and, and my first hunt with the muzzleloader was just de- December 8th. And it was, it was kind of cool because some of the scouting I had put in during the off season, I had found that nobody was hitting this one spot. And, and I can go back and show you the text message that I sent Chase, my co-host. I said in June, I said, look, I found a spot. There's nobody here. There's no, there haven't been deer tracks. There haven't been camera. I'm sorry. There haven't been, you know, footprints from, mm-hmm. from, from other people. No car tracks. There's no tree stands hung back in this area. There's no trail cameras back in this area. It's just an ugly area. From the standpoint of if you walk into woods, you're not naturally going, oh, I could envision a deer walking through this area. But I had a gut feeling then that there was a good chance, a better to, better than not chance that all the pressure in the other areas was going to throw these deer into this into this one section. So December 8th, I go back in there. And from that moment forward, I didn't go a single hunt to the end of the season in early February without encountering a buck. Wow. And it was awesome. I had deer chasing underneath me i had bucks chasing does and grunting it was just a it was just an awesome awesome tail tail end to the season and uh very last hunt that i hunted with chase that was the last hunt of the season i was hunting a wma that i had got drawn for a quota hunt and i picked the wrong tree i walked down into a swamp bottom i knew i had a good gut feeling that there was going to be a deer moving through the swamp bottom got down in there found the deer trail that i expected to be there based, based on looking at maps found a tree and it was about four or five yards too close to the trail and a little bit exposed. And I thought to myself, man, you got to back off this trail or you're going to end up screwing the pooch. Well, screwing the pooch was, was backing off that trail because the next, the next closest tree was 30 yards away Ooh. and 30 minutes before the end of shooting light. Now I'm going to be very conservative on this because I'm, I've been told that I exaggerate and it's true. I do exaggerate, but conservatively, very conservatively, I had a hundred inch eight point walk out. Now for Florida, that's a monstrosity of a buck, especially on public land. And, uh, he came out, came right down the exact trail, passed by the tree that I would have hung at, uh, originally in at 13 yards from it, perfectly broadside. But because I had picked the tree that I was on, Mm. I got, I had, I received no, no shot. And I had to watch that deer walk right down that bottom about 150 yards into the sunset. It was like a Western movie. He was just gone (laughs) into the, over the horizon. There was no turning him. In fact, he went past Chase. I don't know what Chase was doing down there, but oh, Chase man. was down that Taking way. Taking a nap. Buck walked right by. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you know, that was the tail end of my season. And for a lot of people that have them down in the dumps, man, but you got to remember with everything I had against me, yeah. not seeing a deer till December 8th to, to the year before that being skunked uh, on public land as a whole. And then to, to be within one bad decision and that bad decision, not being, do I move now or not? It's just picking a tree, which is so mm-hmm. innocent. It's, it's such a, it could go either which way kind of thing. It's a game of inches, and uh, that time the buck got real lucky because he was—he had his nose to the ground. He was oblivious. He wasn't turning. I grunted. I smacked a tree trying to get him to stop. I just—I couldn't turn that deer. He didn't want nothing to do with it. So I hung my bow up, eating tag soup. But uh, I'm going into next year rather optimistic. Yeah, man, I think it I, I think like I've—I think I've kind of figured this area out. That's a beautiful we'll thing, man. Through. I'm rooting yeah. for you next year. That it sounds yeah. like you're going to be on some good bucks next year. Let's just hold off on any more hurricanes, and you should be all right. Whew, I don't know. See, here's the deal. I think if a hurricane doesn't come through, I'm going to have to change my game plan up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the, the last four years, we've been strapped by uh, a hurricane every year, right before bow season, Jeez. for the last three years. So I'm, I'm starting to get, to get too adjusted to hurricanes, I think. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so when does your season come in, then, your, your bow season? Well, that's a complicated question. Florida is a unique bird in that there are four zones here. Okay. And if you wanted to and you were crazy enough to hunt, you could hunt deer from July 4th to February 17th in the state of Florida. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, the other claim to fame, and they just put an end to this, and I'm, I'm quite happy they did, but up until and through last season, you could shoot two deer a day with no end in sight. Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah, yeah I didn't it's, know that. It's, um, it's crazy. It, it, yeah, it, it's a the last remnant of the old way of managing deer down here, and they're finally getting rid of it. There's a lot of pushback from a lot of different groups, but as the deer herd gets better and the hunting opportunities become what they should be here, and, I, and by that I don't mean Boone, Boone and Crockett bucks. I mean, literally, the deer herd is decimated in the areas here, and uh, as that improves, I think people will shut up. They'll quit complaining. That is absolutely crazy, man. So one thing I kind of thought of when you were saying that, they could shoot two deer a day and your your season comes in in July. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. But what do your bag limits and things look like? I know you said that a 100-inch deer is just an absolute giant down there on public land. Well, I kind of feel like you asked two questions. Are you asking? I, I did kind of ask two questions. That was a little bit jumbled there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. So, well, I'll, start with, I'll start with the first one. There's no bag limit. There's a possession limit. Okay. Um, and that's a very hard to enforce thing because – how are you going to quantify how many deer is for deer when they're packaged up and put into a cooler mm-hmm. or into your freezer? Um, you're not required to have dates on there. You're not required to have a license on the package. So it's one of those things where, technically speaking, you should only have four deer in your cooler at any one point in time. But come on, guys. We all know that's not happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's too easy to say, well, my wife shot those four and, and my, my buddy who lives here part time, he shot those other four deer. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, some hobo dropped off those six deer. You know, it's, it's just. <laughs> It's too many loopholes, but um, to answer your question about how big a deer, the state's really weird. In some areas, a 40-inch buck would be an absolute monstrosity, like down mm-hmm. in South Florida, down by Miami, down by the, the Keys and stuff like that, dude. If you could shoot a 40 to 60-inch deer, you've done something real good for yourself, especially if he's got any kind of like standard curvature to, to the rack. Does that yeah. make sense? Yep, absolutely. Huh. Um, you get up near Alachua. Uh, which is where my, my co-host lives, Gainesville, Florida, worst place on earth. <laughs> um, if, if, uh, you get up there, you can shoot 150 inch deer. Not every wow. year, but they do get shot over there pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. Where I'm at, um, there, there's a hair, a very heavy, 
uh, fluctuation. So I'm considered the Red Hills region of Florida. And, and unlike the rest of Florida, we have got some, some slight topography here. It is not uncommon to find uh, topographic differences somewhere between 30 or 40 feet in elevation. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but the rest of Florida, you measure topography by inches of water. It's flat. It's just, it's just, mm-hmm. that's just what it is. That's crazy. So, because of because of those hills, those hills are created by you know the previous ice age. It pushed a lot of nutrients in this area. You end up with the possibility of really harvesting a really good deer up here. My buddy's got one behind his house. It's probably 140 something inches. But that 100 inch buck that I shot, and if I'm gonna be honest with you guys and just give you a genuine estimate, I think that buck probably went poking young. He was he was a really I've got a I've got an 84 inch buck on my wall back here behind yeah. me, and he dwarfed that thing easily handily like if the two were standing side by side there would have been no doubt in mind which one you would have shot that thing would have probably got me in the paper (laughs) yeah Yeah. i'm not seeking that i probably wouldn't have told anybody about that (laughs) so but i'm just saying you know that would have been it would have been noteworthy that is absolutely crazy man that's such a southern thing too i hear all the time about people that kill big deer and you just don't ever hear about it especially like georgia Mm -hmm. i've heard that a lot and i've probably heard that from your show actually quite a bit Mm -hmm. Um, people just kill Big old bucks, and you never hear about it. I mean, they don't enter them in the books, nothing. So you guys don't get the credit that you deserve in some places because nobody knows what's actually getting killed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Yeah. But well, I, mean, I think I think if you if you genuinely if you were able to to tally up all the trophy, and I, I say that by literal definition, you know, Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett. Right. If you titled it up all the the Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young bucks that are shot in the state of Florida. And you were able to include the ones that nobody tells you about. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, people would look at Georgia differently. They'd they'd start looking yep. at Georgia as as to, as Kentucky and and some of those other you know big buck areas. The only difference is, I think, in my opinion, Kentucky you stand a good chance of killing a big deer in most of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Right. In yeah. Georgia, you've got really isolated pockets that produce exceptional deer, mm-hmm. and then the rest of them, man, if you kill something a hundred inches, you're kind of back to that that Florida standard. If you kill something about a hundred inches, you know you started doing good again. But yeah, the, the boys down here they just they loose lips sink ships. Yeah, we just we just don't talk. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's pretty free and willing to give up some information. Whenever people kill them around here, you see them all over the place. All over the place. They're spread all over social media and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. There's it's it's eye opening because I had no clue that were there were that many big deer getting killed in Pennsylvania. But over the last couple of years, just being part of Facebook groups mm-hmm. or seeing it on Instagram, a couple of pages we follow, man, there are some big old bucks getting killed around here. Yeah, yeah. But we have such a high deer density, too. And mm-hmm. we also have that common knowledge. Everybody knows Pennsylvania, the Orange Army comes out and it's just yep. millions and millions of hunters all over the place, just like Wisconsin, just like Minnesota and New York and all those good states. Yeah. But at yeah. the same point, I mean, we did they they put in an antler restriction law um, years and years ago, and that had a lot of pushback. Uh, you know, similar to what you're talking about in Florida, had a lot of pushback. Nobody wanted yep. these antler restrictions. Well, look what it's done. I mean, I know when I was a kid, if you saw anything with an antler on its head, you you were shooting every bullet in your gun at it. You know, <laughs> yeah. and and I remember uh, little spikes, little four points. You know, we, you'd just unload at those kind of deer because you didn't see them very often. Yep. And since the point restriction and growing up and doing a lot more archery hunting throughout the years, um, man, I've been seeing, I've seen some really good deer up here. Yep. You know, probably ones that have pushed 150. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and in some big old buck, and I've missed them. <laughs> if I <laughs> shot and killed every deer that I had ever shot at, I'd have an impressive wall. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh yeah. man, but you know what, that's so what, not good. Out of curiosity, what's an antler point restriction look like up there for you guys? So we actually have two different um, two different variations throughout the state. A lot of the state it used to be um, three points on one side or four points on one side. Now we live in an area where it's three points up. Yeah. So, so it doesn't include the brow time. Right. So ah, yeah, mm-hmm. which which is really nice because when it first came out, it was four points to a side. Yep, which was really really hard, and that kind of I mean I remember when I was just over probably I was like seventeen eighteen years old, and I'd see those deer that come through, and those little basket racks that you'd see, and I'm trying to fill my first buck tag ever, but I can't make out a brow time, you know, and all those deer then mm-hmm. are now legal in today's rolling that they do the three up. Yep. And they take out the, is there a brow tine? Is there not a brow tine? But, and then the majority of the rest of the state, I would say, or not majority, but good portion, like the northern part where we have our hunting camps and stuff, it's just three to a side. So you can count the brow tine, any three points. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's done, done, it's done a wonder. It has, it definitely has, but I don't know. Well, let's get into a different topic here, man. I'm still along the lines of deer hunting. I'm just super curious. You're down there in Florida. It's hotter than all bejesus down there. How are you sitting out in your stand in those like crazy hot days, just like trying to stay cool and actually seeing deer movement? <laughs> are you asking how I cope? Yeah, how do you cope with it? How do you handle yeah, that, I, man? Like you I, got a little portable air conditioner you're taking in the stand with <laughs> no, you? No, man. There, there's a hard, fast rule, and anybody who knows me and comes to my house understands this. My house stays at 70 degrees, and I don't turn the heater on. So if it gets cold enough to make the house colder than 70 degrees, you best put on some clothes because I don't get cold fronts <laughs> very often and I'm going to embrace that and I'm going to enjoy it because realistically, there's not jack diddly you can do besides just be a little bit off your rocker to go out there and hunt in 95 degree weather. And I, it's, it's one of those things. There's certain things you can do. I take, I pack a lot of water in. Uh, I always take one, one, one Nalgene bottle in that's just, uh, you know, room temperature water and that's for major drinking. And then I take a Nalgene in that's got ice. And it is, it's majority ice. And then I just let the heat, so, you know, uh, I hang it up in the sun. I let it melt off and yeah. uh, I sip on that to keep my, my temperature down because dude, it's, it's freaking brutal. I, oh. the last four years, my season opener, the high that day, this is not the real feel. The high that day was 94, 96, 97 and something and, and something else real similar to that. And, and that's the heat index. You know, you got seems like a thousand degrees percent humidity oh, factor yeah. going on then oh, yeah. like you're wearing a blanket 115 huh that humidity it's like wearing a blanket it's insane oh, it just hits you in the face man it's like you open your door and it's like someone's breathing right there in your yeah. face it's just disgusting oh, man. um but you know you just i wear swim trunks a lot like i said earlier i wear swim trunks a lot to keep cool leafy leafy suits are your friend mm-hmm. but you got to be kind of crazy that is absolutely <laughs> wild i know around here usually our opening day i mean it's it might be high seventies, low eighties, and that's that's brutally hot. Yeah, and we hate it. We hate it. I mean, you don't see deer move. I mean, it just it's <laughs> mm-hmm. it makes for an interesting time, and you know that makes me wonder too. You're out there in swim trunks. I know there's mosquitoes out the wazoo down there. I can only imagine you're probably getting tore up, dude. If, if the smartest thing I could have done was bought thermocell stock when mm-hmm. I was younger, because by this point. <laughs> I, I will have at least broken even on my gains and the <laughs> amount of, of thermosel stuff that I've bought. I mean, it's 
I, I do not hunt without thermosel. I just do not do it. If I forget my thermosel, I don't care what how perfect it is. You could tell me you've got a 190-inch Florida buck coming into the stand every day at 7.45 a.m. If it if it's in Florida and I don't have my thermosel, I, I'll catch him the next day, man. Just, <laughs> I'm just not doing it. I mean, I've, I've got a friend of mine that got, that got hit by West Nile, and uh, he no. can't hunt anymore because his short-term memory is so bad that he would walk out to the woods, and, you know, it was like his memory reset. And he'd turn around and, and try and walk back to the truck. And about halfway to the truck, his memory would reset. And he wouldn't be able to know where he was. And they had to rescue him via search uh, search committee a couple times. And that, that was the end of his hunt. And that's just, that ain't happening. Oh, that's so, crazy, man. But it, it just ain't the mosquitoes. It ain't just the mosquitoes down here, man. I mean, everything down here wants to kill you uh, or bite you or, or get a piece of you to take home from the mosquitoes to the freaking ticks and, and, and mm. red bugs. It, it's just... The gnats, the hornets. Oh my God! If I climb one more tree and it's got bald-headed hornets at the top, ooh, oh, it's man. yeah, yeah. If you got time for a quick story, dude, go I for got, it. I got a funny one for you. Yes, yep. sir. What's the fastest you've ever gotten down out of a hang-on tree stand? <laughs> I'm probably assuming not as fast as you have. <laughs> I guarantee you, I set a record that day, my friend. I am not advising this to anybody right now to do this. I, my father has fallen from a tree stand, but I can tell you right now, that's the fastest I have ever descended without a harness in my entire life. I, I was one day, it was in a Georgia swamp bottom. And I had this perfect area picked out. I hung my hang on stand in August. Season kicks off in early September there. I walked back in there all slow as can be early in the morning, guys. I'm talking like 345, taking my time. Oh, just yeah. Creeping back in there. I'm, I'm a whole like, I like it to set the woods to set and sit still for like two hours before. It's shooting light. That's just me. I'm sure I'll get hate mail for saying that again, but it's just what I do. No, I'm okay and with that, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and I want to cool off anyways. I don't want to get there and have, you know, water running off my face, dripping fine, but we're running. Come on. But I get back in there and the sun's coming up. You can hear turkeys over there and it's kind of cool. It's like 83 degrees, you know, at 645. And I'm sitting there like, man, this is going to happen today. This is going to happen today. I'm just, oh, I'm jammed. You know that feeling, guys. <laughs> 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 All of a sudden, I hear this like flicker. I'm like, I wonder what that noise was. That was weird. It sounded like a bug. It's probably a cicada. That's what it was. It was a cicada. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. All of a sudden, my, my right leg starts itching. I feel like there's something crawling on me. Well, I cut off my headlamp, and there's something moving on my right thigh. I'm like, dang, I wonder what that is. So I, I cut it from the little dim red light to the, to the bright 200 lumen something or another. And I, it lights up my legs, and I have got bald-headed hornets all over my legs trying to figure out what I am. Oh, my God. And at that point, I look underneath my seat, and those jokers had made a nest up underneath my seat. And I had climbed up there at 345, and they didn't budge until it got close to shooting light. Yeah. Okay, oh, now, man. here's two other key details. When I was a child, I got into a bad hornet's nest. And ever since then, up until recently, I have had a horrifying phobia of anything that stings you and flies, okay? And I'm deathly afraid of height. Like, I think about I think about getting about 10 feet off the ground and my feet start sweating, okay? You so, are in the worst case scenario right I, now. I am there, gentlemen. I am there. This is this is the worst thing you could be. This is I your grabbed hell. that pine tree trunk. I slung myself around the other side where the rope where the ladder wasn't. And I literally bear hug slid that thing all the way to the bottom, <laughs> tore the sleeves off my shirt, went running through the woods, all the while, my buddy's up on the hill watching this happen. 
<laughs> down in the swamp bottom, and he sees me shedding clothes as I'm running through the swamp, man. Oh, and man. He's watching me through his binoculars laughing. He said, my first thought was Walter's got to go to the bathroom, and then I thought, man, he's running really fast for a long ways <laughs> to go to the bathroom. When he meets me up at the top of the hill, I'm sitting there just utterly drenched in sweat. I'm sitting there in my boxer briefs. Every article of clothing is gone. We never found my socks. I don't know where those were at. <laughs> Every article of clothing is gone. I'm stung all the high hell. Those things have chased me up the hill. But yeah, it's, I've, I've had a heck of a lot of run-ins with, with, with hornet nests up in trees, dude. It's just, it's absurd. Dude, that is horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. even imagine. I don't, I don't even think know I've if I'd climb down. I with anybody right there. That's, that's an exclusive. That yeah. is amazing, dude. I yeah. honestly, I don't think I'd have been able to climb out of the tree. I think I'd have fell out of the damn thing. Yeah. You know, well, it just, that, that's kind of what I did. I'm not going to It was a controlled landing, as my dad would have said it. You know, it was, <laughs> you were, you were, it was, I should have hurt myself is what I should have done. I should have hurt myself in that process, but wow. uh, I got lucky. You need one of those uh, tree stand wingmans. <laughs> Dude, did you the see? The kind that controls you slowly on the yeah, way. Yeah, jump man. out. Oh, yeah. I'd have been lit up even worse. I'd have cut that thing off and fell the rest of the way. Oh, know. my gosh. That is absolutely <laughs> yeah. crazy. And you know it what? Horrifying. I'm horrified of bees, to be honest with you. I got into That's a nest when I was a young kid, and yep. I got tore up, man. And now... Anytime bees come around me, I freak out. It's just, <laughs> I'm the same tag going. Boy, I, I can control it now with deep breathing exercises. But when I was <laughs> when I was seven, I stepped through a floorboard in a barn, and there was a, a bees nest under there, and I went down into the bees nest. Oh. And uh, my uh, cousins at the time thought it'd be funny to shut the door, and I was trying to get out. And from that point on. I was just warped, man. I was just utterly warped. So, oh, yeah, oh man, I hope you beat the crap out of that guy. No, no, I didn't. I was just sobbing, man. I was, but uh, oh, they were significantly larger. But yeah, there it is. Bald headed wow. hornets. How to how to evade them from a tree stand one hundred and one. Oh man, now I'm really I lucky that I don't use permanent sets. I'm That's just... what I mean. I would never, ever again not do a running gun set because there's no oh, way. Yeah. I don't want to get in a permanent set anymore. Mm-hmm. Now that you mentioned nope. that, because. We do. We have the same thing, probably the same type of horn, like a white face hornet that we call them, and they will build nests. I've seen them on tree stands, like on the platforms and stuff. Yep. And if I ever climbed into one of those, I know how nasty those jokers are. Man, I I don't know what I'd do. I stepped into a grounds bee's nest this past summer when I was trimming some hedges for a lady, and mm. they chased me the whole way down the street, stung me I think twenty two <laughs> times, <laughs> and it was the same type scenario, like you said. You know, I've I was feeling something on my legs. Like I stepped in, I stepped directly into their nest in the ground. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, my right leg just felt like it uh-huh. was on fire. And I went, yep. what? And I looked down and there were bees all over me and I'm running down the street and I'm slapping at them because they just, they chase you and they keep stinging you. And the neighbors are watching me from out their windows. <laughs> and I'm running. And you, just, you just look like a crazy person oh, playing karate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jumping up, slapping. That's sensation right there. Look at this kid go. <laughs> and then I stop about 40, 50 yards away. And then boom, boom, boom. They hit me three times on the back. And I'm like, oh, jeez. Yep. And I run and I jump in the truck, <laughs> close the door, put up the windows. There's one in with me. I'm fighting yep. it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best analogy I ever heard in my life. I'm dying over here. Crazy person playing karate. Yeah, oh it, my God. You're swinging and just. Oh, it was bad. That's just not there for everybody who's watching. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, crying. Oh, man. 
<laughs> shit. Oh, man. Well, I just derailed that, didn't I? Oh, that was <laughs> beautiful. I'm going with it, man. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever, ever thought, hey, I want to go hunt Florida. And now I definitely don't ever want to hunt Florida. So <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. That's one less person I got to contend with. Next That's person. right. Well, that was actually the next thing I wanted to touch on was because uh, you guys see a lot of pressure like we do up here on your public lands and maybe even a little more. I don't know. Uh, it's tough to say, but why don't you get into a little bit of how you combat with the pressure on public land and what you do to kind of stay away from people or keep your cool because I know you're a little hot-headed whenever you uh mm. run into <laughs> And specifically, there's a turkey story behind that, I believe, as well, so... Uh, but we'll go with deer season to start. Oh, man, you may have to tickle my memory as a turkey store. I can't remember which one you're talking about, but I'm sure you're right. Um, yeah. I'm I'm a hothead as a, as a whole, so if you tell me that I told a story about being hot-headed, it's just probably, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so this is an interesting thing. It's, it's funny you bring it up because I've been doing a lot of uh, evaluating of the pressure here lately because the funny thing is, and this is what triggered all of it. Um, I've been studying license sales as a whole. And as a whole, uh, as a percentage of the population, uh, hunting licenses are decreasing. You can pull that information from, F, you know, from the National uh, Archives. And I started looking. I was like, well, I wonder per population how many hunters are here versus other states that have high pressure. And remarkably, we have got one of the lowest populations, you know, factoring in population dictor, uh, density. Mm-hmm. We've got one of the lowest populations of hunters considering we're, we cover 21 uh, million square miles. So it was this interesting because I've been, you know, complaining. Is, is swearing a lot on this podcast? Oh, yeah, right? yeah, you're fine, man. Okay. All right. So I've been bitching a lot about the, the hunting pressure in this area. And I think I've narrowed it down to a couple, couple key things. We have a lot of, a lot of public land that's open to dog hunting and there's nothing wrong with dog hunting. Dog hunters are fine folks. I used to have a poor opinion of them, and I've I've, I've spoken to some and and recognized that I had made a, a very terrible decision based on interactions with few about the whole. And, but the problem is the vast majority of our public land here is available to dog hunters. Mm-hmm. And during any kind of still season, it's very hard to try and hunt places where a pack of dogs could be chasing, uh, you know, a deer or a hog through. So you you have to hunt these real isolated, smaller uh, chunks of still hunt only land. And to further combat, uh, complicate that, a lot of those places are only available Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the week. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, a lot of the time, it's quota hunt only. So if you don't draw a tag or if you can only hunt during the week, you're pretty much SOL unless you want to go try and hunt with the dog hunters, which, like I said before, no, no dog hunters send me any hate mail. It, it is what it is. You just, they're just the two of them aren't really compatible at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes total so, sense. Yeah, it, it does. It does. And, and, it's fine. I see the benefit to, to both of it because a lot of the national forests around here that you can hunt, it's rows and rows and rows of pine trees with little to no defining features. And, mm-hmm. and the ability to get a deer within bow range is kind of absurd to begin with. Probably the best way to hunt those areas would be with a dog. Okay. Right. And it's kind of cool too, man. Hearing those hounds off in the distance, as long as you know, you're not worried about them, you know, trespass or anything like that. It's kind of cool early in the morning. One of the things I do is, is on top of all the things that bite and scratch and want, want a piece of you, I go right into those places. People are lazy. Even, even here, even with, with all these consistent temperatures and people choosing to hunt here, they are lazy. They take the path of least resistance 99 times. And if it looks 
Like, there could be a snake. These people around here have got the biggest phobias when it comes to snakes. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them. Everything mm-hmm. down here is poisonous, or venomous, rather. But if it looks like there could be a water moccasin, those jokers, they just they just ride it off. And I have found some really neat little hammocks that sit maybe a foot or two above the water so that they stay dry, and they'll have pine trees growing across the top of them, so it's a nice, quiet area. And the thermals are, are d- darn near perfect. They just swell around that island. So you're going to know something's coming before it ever gets there. Oh, yeah. If you're willing to walk 30 or 40 yards through what looks like a swampy hill, you can find these great spots that are just loaded with deer sign, and no one wants to fool with them. And on top of that, what I found is most people like to get in the stand. They're scared of the dark. I am firmly, I am firmly convinced everybody across the board is scared of the dark. It's just how much are you scared of the dark? And down here, people like to get in the stand 50 minutes before shooting light. They do not like to be in the stand early. So what I do is I play the dependability of the areas I know people can get to easily and they're going to want to hunt. And I go back in those swamp bottoms where it's not pretty, where it's not fun, where my, my shooting lanes might not be perfect and, and I might not be able to see more than 30, 40 yards. I get off one of those trails. I get in there early. And a lot of times what I'm finding, and I, I figured this out about, like I said, end of November, early December, those, those hunters come in, push those deer down into those bottoms. And if you're back in there early enough, your ground scent either disappears or it's, oh, it's aged enough that the deer don't recognize it as an immediate threat. And they just keep coming right on past you, man. Mm-hmm. They keep coming right on past you and, and you, you've got your pick. Now, it's kind of, I, I've not been able to identify a big buck bed versus a small buck bed. So, you know, I have these encounters. Sometimes they're close. Sometimes they're at a distance. Sometimes they're big. Sometimes they're small. But man, they're at the end of November. I just had this recipe that was just working every single mm. hunt. That's beautiful, man. That's yeah. genius. Yeah. 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 It was really nice. So. I'll be I'll be trying that again in early bow season to see if it was a uh, time of year phenomenon, if it was a, a lack of hard mass, you know, try and further refine my understanding of that area and why that was. But uh, I have a feeling it had more to do with human pressure than anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it sounds like, honestly. Mm-hmm. That 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 was a really smart tactic on your behalf, and yeah. that's I think that's really going to pay off for you in the future. And I think it works we'll to see. your benefit too that they come in so late because then when the deer they kick up, they by the time they get by you, it's almost daylight shooting time. You know, so that actually works out oh, to your yeah. benefit as well. Oh, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, and then they get down early. I mean, yeah. geez, they get there, they sit there, it feels like four hours to them, I guess. And and, and they get down at 9 o'clock. Dude, I used to sit till about 9 o'clock, and then I'd get down and come home. And one day, I'm sitting out there, I'm like, man, I'll bet you this, I'm about to start seeing deer, because I know people are getting down right now. Yep. So I sat still a little bit longer. And here comes a whole new wave of deer. Maybe deer that had bedded in between hit us and them and sure. they're getting down, bumped them or, you know, they, they bedded down in an area that was, you know, away from the stand. And as they were leaving the area, they bumped them and that deer said, Oh, human pressure. I'm going where there aren't humans. And dude, I, it was almost like clockwork. I would have deer come by 30 minutes after shooting light. I'd have deer come by 30 minutes after 845. <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. That we kind of we kind of play on that a little bit too in our rifle season because yep, there sure. there's so many people that do the same thing they'll come in right at you know right before daylight or right after daylight breaks and they'll push deer all around and then right around lunchtime I swear if you can just pack a little lunch with you and hang out around lunchtime mm-hmm. you see more deer moving right in that period because everyone gets up they start moving around and they just start pushing deer around and it's literally like dog hunting, but with people yep. around here. I mean, they do. We there's waves of people, and they just push push deer. I love seeing people in rifle season. I now it's bittersweet because it's like they have high powered rifles in their hands, and mm-hmm. 
they're every 80 yards. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, when the deer start getting moving, because otherwise they'll just hang out and deer won't move. Um, but when you get people up and moving, I, I love seeing them in rifle and I hate running into people in archery season. You know, we hunt the Allegheny <laughs> National Forest up here, and it is, what, 80,000 acres. 80,000 acres, yep. Across the most of the northern part of our state, and we can get up in there, and I still find a way to find people up there somehow. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you just can't get rid of them all together, but uh, it, it's a nice area. Like I said, I, I like I don't mind it in rifle season, but when archery comes around, man, it's, it's troublesome. Yeah, it, it, it can be. You know, our National Forest here... Uh, we're lucky. Look, we, we've got a boatload of public land. I think it's been a while since I looked at the hard numbers, but I think last time I, I pulled it up, I think I've got like 2.5 million acres of, of public land within an hour and a half of my house or something like that. That's some serious um, land, man. <laughs> well, it, it is. It is. But then you got to remember, a lot of that is just really difficult to hunt because it's rows right. and rows of pine trees and palmettos. Yep. Right. So yep. it's it's one of those things where they're very... So it's like you get all the way back in there, right? You're in there in the summertime and there's nobody out there being crazy because they've already get, got it figured out. You're, you're the guy trying to learn the land. So you're back in there and there's no sign. You're like, Oh, this is it. This is great. I found this persimmon tree way out here in the middle of BFE and I'm going to be right here come open in the morning and you pull up and there's seven other trucks and everybody's hustling back there to that persimmon yep. tree. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> scratch, you're still the new guy. You know, like, you know, but to me, to me, I geek out on that. Yeah, you know, I, that, I'm a I'm a I'm an athlete me- mentally. I'm a hobbit physically, but I'm I'm an athlete mentally. And to me, I'm just gonna outwork you, man. I'm a, I'm gonna mm-hmm. be out there this spring. I'm be out there this summer in the hundred degree temps and bugs biting and snakes crawling and gators. And I'm gonna figure it out. And I'm slowly finding spots that even the diehards around here, they're just they're not willing to do it. Whether it's they found an easier way to do it or what, I don't care. As long as I'm in the tree by myself, I'm gonna do it. You're an animal, man. I'll give mm-hmm. you an A for effort, 100%. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure people are afraid of the dark because uh, everyone else probably has climbed the stand once or twice and ran into some hornets at the top of their stand. And then same situation as you, and they don't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's going to be real hard to do it in the saddle moving forward. That's going to be – Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, no, it's fine, man. I, I, I was really I was really feeling sorry for myself the last couple of years. And uh, by living in Florida, I don't really want to be here. And uh, – Sorry, I don't know if y'all can hear that. My, my neighbor's uh, no. firing up his Harley, but uh, <laughs> I uh, thought it was a lawnmower. <laughs> no, it's it's pretty. It's a nice. It's it's you know it's got you know I, I might go uh, ask him if I can ride shotgun on that joker, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I got feeling sorry for myself. Oh, I don't live out there in Pennsylvania. Oh, I don't live out there in Illinois. God, I can't kill these big deer. Then I had a dude sit me down. And he's like, man, you can hunt for seven months out of the dad gun here. Yep. You can hunt deer, turkey, duck. Really good duck hunting for, for the South. It's really damn good duck hunting. Got two different species of turkey. There's a chance we're going to get our bear hunt back. That dove hunting is off the chain here. You got a bunch of public land, not a whole lot of hunters. That's just the, that's just the hunting side of things. Mm-hmm. Then you got world class, world class Gulf of Mexico saltwater fishing. Yeah. From, from all your deep sea stuff to your inshore stuff. I'm, I'm looking at a kayak from a guy I was talking to him today. He went out yesterday for two hours, caught three inshore grand slams. For the listeners who don't know what that is, that's a trounder, a flout, and a redfish. He did that in two hours. That then you can turn wild. around, I, and I live off of one of the best bass fishing lakes in the, all of the southeast. I got three of the world-class bass lakes within a two-hour drive of my house. It's trophy managed for specs. I can keep going, but I think I've made my point at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a sportsman's paradise minus the weather. Yeah. And, and I just need to, to embrace that while I'm here because eventually one day I'm going to be gone. 
And this is going to turn into where I was when I was a child. Looking back, thinking, dadgummit, you had it pretty freaking good. You didn't mm-hmm. even realize it. Damn. So it's, uh, I'm going to embrace it and maybe earn some skin cancer and you know, <laughs> do. Lord, actually, I hope that doesn't happen. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. come on. It, it's a risk. <laughs> of course. Now, you got me rethinking hunting Florida. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I might come down there. And, and How close are you to, like, Osceola's? About an hour and a half. That's not too bad. That's not yeah, too bad. Yeah, no, I'll be yeah. hunting. My co-host lives in Osceola's country down there in, in that hellhole I told you about. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah. He's got, he's got, he's got hybrids over there that are absolutely gorgeous. Easterns and Osceola's oh, combined. Ooh. Yeah. That's not Yeah, nice. I don't know of any other state that you get a sunburn while deer hunting. <laughs> it doesn't happen here, man. You're either wind burnt, maybe. Oh, yeah, wind, wind burnt, maybe. maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hypothermia. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, more clothes, guys. More clothes. But but I'll tell you, and I do agree with that. I I've always said that myself. You know, you can put more cool, more clothes on and get warmer yeah. than you can to try to get cold. Yeah. And and I hate well, it. And, and how much how summer. much wool do y'all have? See, you Austin's big on the on the wool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's a game changer. If yeah. you can't respect wool and its benefits for, for, for temperature regulation and, and insulation, mm-hmm. you need to get back on the YouTube. You need to, you need to get, get yourself right. Get right with, with the, the hunting gods because wool is God's gift. Mm-hmm. Deer Dude, I'm a right big fan of merino wool. Oh, yeah. man. Merino base layers and merino socks have changed my game oh, completely. Oh, my God. Darn tough socks, baby. One, one purchase and they're, and they're, they're good for life. I mean, they're just, it's incredible. It's ability to, to hold the right amount of heat and then just dump all the excess, man. It's yep. just, it's incredible. Yep. And I, and, and for all your listeners, here's a life hack. Don't buy hunting wool. I have yet to find any hunting wool that compares to the ski wool that you can get on clearance this time of year and in the next couple months. You can get insane deals on icebreaker smart wool. And yes, it's not going to be in your favorite camo pattern, but you're going to hmm. get it. It's going to be less darn cheap. And it's going to last much longer than any outdoor wool that you've had today. It's incredible. That is solid advice, man. Sure is. I wrote <laughs> that down because I've been looking into it. And that's the problem. You try to get wool from like a hunting brand or something. They're so expensive. Yep. You know, and I, I definitely got into the Merino wool socks more recently and they mm-hmm. are game, especially with the rubber boots that I wear. I was mm-hmm. one of the issues, you know, I'd walk in far distance, my feet would sweat. Then I'd sit in yep. my stand and my free, feet would freeze. Throw that Merino wools on. Even when my feet sweat, they they just stay warm. Yep, it insulates yep. when it gets wet, man. That's that's eighty eighty five percent. It retains eighty five percent of its warming properties when it's fully saturated with water. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Yeah, oh, I, I wear it down here. I wear the First Light Smart Wool or Arrow Wool. I tried that mm-hmm. out this year, and I was blown away at how well it helped me regulate my temperature here. Blew my mind. Yeah. I, I I will go. Every season, my base core layers will be some variation of wool from this point moving forward. I will never be caught not wearing wool, dude. Absolutely, and ice, man. And an icebreaker for everybody who's listening, they've got like 110 weight wool, which is just incredible. And the way they weave it, it doesn't lose its shape as, as a lot of other mm-hmm. pure wool properties do. You know, they, you get it wet, you stretch it, it doesn't want to come back together. So a lot of companies throw elastic in there. Yep. Yeah. Blend. Blend. Yeah. They do that blend, which is fine. It still works pretty well. Yep. Mm-hmm. But my whole philosophy is that there's a company out there that's already got it figured out, and it can be 100% wool. Until somebody changes my mind, I, I think I'm going to be converting the majority of my, my wool layers to, to smart wool icebreak or something like that. Yep, no, absolutely. And I agree with that first light action, man. I'm rocking yeah. those 230 weight, and it's just... Oh, they're nice, aren't they? Oh, man, first light's awesome. I don't like the price tag on it, but it's, yep. it's good stuff, man. Yep. Yeah, definitely. It is. 
That's interesting you say that because I had cheap hand-me-down wool when I was a kid and base layers that I wore mm-hmm. all the time. And I just remember those things just stretching out and just being yeah. unwearable after yep. so long. And I still have them to this date, but I will never wear them. You know, and they were warm. They were nice, but, you know, they were scratchy and they, they just oh, kind of. Yeah. 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 But it was, it was cheap. Well, it wasn't a fine. Yeah, it was enough. it was cheap hand-me-down mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. You know, but it worked. It, it did the job during rifle season when I needed a layer. You oh know, yeah, but, yeah. But I've moved on what, from there. If y'all got an REI nearby, that's the best place to get wool on clearance. In a retail store, I have gotten, man, I think I've got six pieces of wool, all varying lengths and 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 weights and whatnot. I bet you I've not paid more than forty five dollars for any any single wow. piece. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's a really, really good deal. Good, I mean, yeah, and I'm just saying that to just so your listeners know. Oh well, wool's expensive, man. There are plenty of wool options out there if you catch it on clearance. Because the ski season for a lot of people is starting to wind up now, which means this mm-hmm. is the time to be buying wool specifically. Yep. Jump on that stuff because it'll change your life, dude. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. That's such solid advice, man. I'm in. <laughs> so I, I've already brought enough negative topics up. I won't bring your turkey struggles up. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's nothing that's what my behind worse than a turkey yeah yeah but i and you know what i was also thinking too you were mentioning about how long you can hunt that you you don't want to come to pennsylvania man we only get like six weeks of an archery season our prime archery season six weeks long and then we get an additional but two weeks yeah, after right Christmas yeah, late season as a late season extended and then by then it's usually negative temperatures and we don't want to go out either but uh i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of leaning maybe some uh turkey hunting down in florida in a couple Come years, on. we'll see. That'd be cool. You've heard, you've heard about how terrible it is in the public land in my area, but if you want to whip, risk it, come on. <laughs> I'm always up I for mean, a challenge. I like having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can laugh, you're in for a good time because I'm, I'm a dang fool when it comes to being out there, dude. I'm always finding something to laugh at, normally myself. Yep, yep. That's a beautiful thing. So yeah. we're getting up there on time, man, and I know you got to get back to studying for your CPA and all that. And I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. I had a blast. But I want to hit you with some uh, some rapid fires, maybe real quick, if you don't mind. Absolutely, let's All do right. it. Let's let's start off with your favorite guest that you had on your own podcast. Mm. That's a tough. Uh, one. How about this? How about this? I'm going to say this is the, the podcast <laughs> is the one that I, I I laugh the most. I'm not going to say favorite because I don't know I could pick one, but mm-hmm. uh, I think obviously Taylor Chamberlain. That yeah. was the most. Uh, unstructured podcast that i had a genuine agenda to go into and just it all got blown to hell so (laughs) (laughs) good answer good answer all right so the next one then the best advice you ever received from one of your guests on your podcast boy okay so this is a good one um Mm -hmm. i think it was i think it was jordan barnes it could have been jordan hotchkiss that's the problem you have too many jordans on the podcast you can't (laughs) remember which one's which and they're both supreme turkey hunters. I mean, both these guys kill turkeys on the ground with a bow with no blind. I mean, they're just incredible dur- turkey hunters. But one of them told me, never invest more into a turkey than it's willing to invest in you. If, if that bird quits quits talking to you, or if he reduces how much he talks to you, well, think about it like dating. If a girl quits texting you, next. You just move on, right? I mean, you, you quit texting her too. And I, I kind of taken that approach to everything that I do in life. And when it comes to the outdoors, it's just, you know, I... There, learn how to invest your time and to get the right results. I think with the method, of the, the moral of that message he was giving me. And uh, sometimes we get too fixated on a single deer, a single piece of property, a single type of, of tactic or way about going about it. And I think uh, to be a supreme outdoorsman, which I am a far cry from, is being flexible and being willing to uh, take it as it comes. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with that. that yeah. Mm-hmm. Solid. 
All right, so then what would be your best advice to give to a new hunter just getting into, let's say, bow hunting? Don't watch any TV. <laughs> Don't watch any YouTube. The I would say listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. and I would say go find you a book written by Robert Rourke, Fred Bear, Howard Hill, Ernest Hemingway, the guys that really taught you how to hunt. Because realistically speaking, a lot of what you see on TV is meant to sell you something, man. It's either to sell you their hunt, their way of hunting, the products that buy that that brand, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is some darn good TV. It's great entertainment, but you're mm-hmm. not learning anything about hunting. Now, I'm going to actually add a qualifier to this and say the one exception to that is you can go to the hunting public and watch it on YouTube, learn just God's, inf- God's information from them gentlemen. Couldn't agree but, more. Um, yeah, just don't don't look at any mainstream media. Just read some books. Read the old field uh, stream magazines, the old ones, mm-hmm. and just enjoy being out there and set small, easily obtainable goals. Nice. Great advice. Appreciate that. Yeah. So lastly then, um, what is your favorite hunting tradition? You know, up here we have big traditions like the first day of rifle season. We go up to camp. You know, we'll camp out, have a, a hunting camp up there for the weekend, and then first day of yeah. rifle is a huge tradition for us. But I don't know if you have anything similar to that or something that you've created your own tradition over the last few years. Yeah, no, this is interesting, man. That's Boy, you got me with that for a moment, and then it came to me just as quick as I thought I was I was caught off guard. Um, <laughs> I haven't done this in years, uh, but it used to be squirrel camp. It used to be a big trend tradition in my family and the reason it's not now is because it's kind of a, a father-son kind of thing in the family and, and my father and I aren't, aren't uh, on that level anymore so yeah. I imagine once I have kids I'll probably get back to this but man it was the funnest daggum thing we we I grew up in New Orleans and, and we had that property over there in southeast Georgia and we, we would we would pick about a four or five day window at the end of February which was the only predictable cold weather time in uh, southeast Georgia you could have and it'd be that would always coincide with the the tail end of the small game season. So we would go over there and we would stay in this old rickety farm, uh, not farmhouse, hunting camp. And, uh, you know, it had central heating, but the walls weren't insulated. So you could feel the breeze coming through the windows at the same time. And <laughs> we'd have these northeasters come through and the winds would just come across the marsh and hammer those window panes. And, and I just remember thinking back to those times and, and, and thinking about you know, the, the smell of the wood, wood fire in the, in the, the center of the room. And we'd go out there and chase squirrels. And that's all we did, squirrels and rabbits, man. We, we never got a rabbit, but we had a darn good time shooting, shooting tree rats out, out the, till, till we were blue in the face from the, from the wind. And we'd go home and make squirrel and rice and, and squirrel and dumplings and we'd bring back, back home. But that was that one family tradition that we had at the tail end of every season. We'd go out there and do squirrel camp. So I might have to start that back up with me and a couple of my buddies and find some place to, to pitch a tent for a couple of days at the tail end of February now that y'all brought that back up. There you go. Beautiful. There you go, man. And we have plenty of rabbits up here if you ever want to come kill some rabbits with us. We got the beagles and everything. We we love chasing rabbits, man. That's Do not our... tempt me with a good time. Uh, <laughs> and I mean that. We love hunting <laughs> us some rabbits. You know, it's just another thing at that time of year that there's not much else going on and we just love to chase them. You know, there's nothing better, like you said, that hound, that just that barking yeah. from the hounds. And, yep. I love it. I just got myself a beagle pup uh, probably a couple months ago now, and I can't wait. Can't wait till next next season. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> well, let me ask you all this. Let me turn the tables here briefly. Yeah, uh, sure. You invited, you invited me to via text message, so I'm, I'm going to uh, take you up on your offer. 
uh, a tradition of mine, and now that I'm thinking about it, for every one of my podcast episodes, is I always ask the, a person some variation of the same question. And since both of y'all listen, mm-hmm. I've had to get really creative these last few minutes to figure out what I was going to ask you. You're, <laughs> you're probably prepared for this. <laughs> All right. So here's the deal. What one single piece of advice would you give your earliest podcasting self about getting into hunting and fishing podcasts? And uh, what what would you what would you tell yourselves when you said, "Hey, let's uh, let's do the Whitetail Distraction Podcast." Man, you put a nice little twist to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, yeah. that was right there off the cuff. <laughs> oh man, I don't know, Austin. You wanna you wanna start with that? I would say have an open mind. Yeah. Honestly, just really look at what the topics are about, and if it's something that you're interested in, even remotely, dive into it and see what you have to say about it. So my first thought here would be. And we kind of covered this even. Don't be afraid to ask people that you want to have on your show to come onto your show. Mm. I think when we first started off, we were very intimidated by the big names that we hear on other podcasts and we were afraid to ask people to come on. And more now we're doing it. We're just like, man, we're getting such good feedback. Let's just, you know, let's ask this person. Let's ask. And we've had really good positive um, feedback from everybody in the industry. So I would say, Start off right off the bat. Don't be afraid to ask people to come on your show. And and that just comes from maybe more of the podcast side. But like to starting the podcast as well, I don't know, man. Um, we your, just your jumped. Your answer was better than mine. I just want to start off there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess maybe I, could, maybe I should just end there. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should just end it there because, I mean, we just kind of jumped into this thing. It was, you know, something yeah. we both love to listen to and – we love talking deer hunting, so let's just yeah, that's that's my answer. That's what I got, man. That's what's up, man. That's that's it's always interesting to hear people's variation. It's funny sometimes people come on the show and they're like, "Oh, I know what's coming," and I'm like, "Okay, well, time to improv." Cause, uh, <laughs> yeah. Not asking you the same question, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I didn't prepare for that at all. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, did I genuinely catch y'all off guard? You caught yeah. me off guard. I love it. Hot uh, damn! That was my goal, man. That's uh, yeah. listen, gentlemen. I have had an utter blast i would love to do this with you at any time if y'all wanted to dive into more specific southern whitetail podcast topics one day i'd be glad to to get with chase and, and have the two of us on there and, and talk because there's a, a lot of interesting things that go into ha- how to kill a big deer and he's killed a boatload of them yeah oh man i'm gonna take you up on that yeah i really appreciate that absolutely we'd love to have you back on all right, man. Thanks a lot. Why don't before we let you go, why don't you let people know uh, where to find you? Because one thing that probably spell wrong is the name of your podcast. So why don't you get into where they can find <laughs> you? <laughs> no, yeah, man. I appreciate it. Listen, guys. So uh, chasing tails outdoors. It, it's it's a little play on that um, chasing tails. T a l e s. Ha ha. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> the uh, the emphasis on that's important because for me, it's not really. And this isn't the you know, frowning at you guys because there's a place for everything. But for me, it's not about tactics. Mm-hmm. For me, it's not about being informative. I just want to get on the po- on the phone. I want to talk to somebody that's got an experience that can enrich my life, maybe inspire me to get off the couch and go and go scout when it's 95 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. You know, we all need that kick in the buttons. And a lot of times, we run into people that have awesome perspectives, or they've got information to share, or they're just a passionate person. That passion rubs off on you. And those are the kind of people that we seek to come on. So. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, any place that you want to find a podcast, we are there. Um, our Facebook page is Chasing Tales Outdoors, and we've got a closed group called Chasing Tall Tales, 
And uh, that's a closed group there. We welcome anybody to come, share their outdoor adventures, ask questions. And the whole point of that group is just to have a campfire setting where everybody's kicked back with their boots up on a burn bin, Mm -hmm. just hanging out, swapping stories. And if you can be a decent person and, and contribute some good, some good perspective to that group, we'd love to have you. That's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, Absolutely I mean, awesome. That's kind of where we based our whole podcast around is just get on there and bring campfire type stories yeah. to people, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And you've had some fantastic episodes, some fantastic guests, man. I, I appreciate I'm, that. I'm thrilled that you reached out. So then I know, I now know about y'all's podcast. I'm, I'm subscribed. I've left y'all a rating and a review and, and, uh, y'all got me. You're the man. I Thank love you, it. man. Yeah. I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, Walter <laughs> Lee, he is the man. Walter Lee's a good dude. I'll tell you what. After that episode, and I knew going into the episode that this was going to be a fun one. Just through our Instagram conversations and everything else, this guy was going to be a lot of fun and I was not disappointed. You know, I I love hearing him on his podcast, love hearing him on other podcasts and talking to him personally now. It was like the the end of the story in in this short book of mine. <laughs> oh man, you know what though? I'm right there with you. Yeah. I personally, I love that dude. He's my new best friend. I'm getting rid of you. He's my new co-host. That's right fine. Now. <laughs> Listen, that is fine because when we talked a little off air about him coming on again, he mentioned about his co-host having possibly figured out the new best thing in whitetail hunting he did and i'm very not, curious about it yeah we're not gonna blow any secrets because this for was another offered. episode <laughs> another time another place i can't wait and we're gonna definitely bring him on again oh, he was a guest they're coming that, on several times i can yeah. feel it already mm-hmm. he's gonna be a repeater i really hope he takes us up and comes up here and, and does some hunting i know he blew off his uncle for that colorado trip but Colorado's a little less doable than Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. You know, Pennsylvania's pretty easy. You drive up here or fly up here really cheap. Yep. From Florida. Yeah. And, 100 bucks. Yeah. I mean, 100 bucks round trip probably through Allegiant. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, <laughs> I hope he takes us up and he comes hunting with us because that'd be cool. And I, I really would like to get down to Florida even and, you know, give him the chance to take us out hunting some turkeys or something. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. I think it's just, it's start of a good relationship. Heck yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm excited about it. You know, he's a wealth of knowledge, especially if you're even remotely interested in Southern hunting, Mm -hmm. even if you're remotely interested in just listening to another good podcast. He is the main man for when it comes to hunting stories. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's in the title, Chasing Tales, T-A-L-E-S. Yep. And that's what he based his main focus on when he first started. And, dude, he, he crushed he it. He did crush it. He did crush it. So I was excited to have him on. I, I had a lot of fun with this one. And his latest episode as well, I'm trying to bring it up right now, he talks to he talks to the Sportsman Alliance. This man knows a lot more in-depth into hunting than I think a lot of people give him credit for. He's very involved in the Sportsman Alliance and what they're doing. In and around Florida and other states, like Pennsylvania right now, they're fighting for Sunday hunting. Yep. Which is huge. If you want to be more knowledgeable to the outdoors or to the hunting, I don't know what you want to call it. Lifestyle. The lifestyle, sure. 
you need to go listen to that episode because that episode was very good and I enjoyed that very much driving to work the other day listening to it. Yeah, it was a good episode. I concur. What was that again? Sportsman's Alliance? Yeah, it was uh, Sportsman Alliance Legislation Action Alert was the title of the podcast. It posted March 5th. I can dig that. Speaking of alliances, me, you, and all of our listeners can have a little bit of an alliance. If they go out there and they give us a five-star review on iTunes, we'll have an alliance by reciprocating and giving them a high five whenever we see them. Very smooth, sir. Very I can smooth. dig that, right? <laughs> right? And let's not forget, guys, we do have shirts and hats for sale still. Get a hold of us any way possible. We will ship you out a hat or shirt. We want to see you in our gear taking pictures over top of a buck of a lifetime or, you know, fish you caught in the summer, anything. We want to see you out there with our gear on. So totally agree. You can always reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, leave us a comment on YouTube. You can leave us a comment or give us a like or anything on Go Wild, <laughs> the, the <laughs> app as well. It's a really cool platform and I really enjoy it. Other than that, let's wrap it up, man. Let's wrap it up, man. I had a lot of fun. I did too. The distraction is real. The distraction is real. Walter Lee, put it in there. The distraction's real. <laughs> I man, distraction's real. <laughs> Sorry, right, that's let's my go. terrible uh, Florida accent. Sorry, what? Walter.